Hi, everybody. I'm Jay Croft, and welcome to the Optimal Aging Podcast, where we discuss the business of exercise, healthy living, and well-being for people 50 and over. Each week, we explore what healthy living means for millions of people over age 50 and what's coming next with a focus on communications, content, and making powerful connections. This is a large, diverse demographic made up of people who have the time, money, and motivation to spend billions of dollars on fitness, nutrition, and more. So join us on a journey to discover, share, and illuminate how innovative businesses can grow with this powerful market. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Optimal Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Croft. Let's play a short game of what if I told you. You ready? What if I told you about a group of consumers with 100 million people in the United States alone? They control 70% of discretionary spending, billions of dollars spent on luxury goods and services, including fitness, recreation, travel, and more. And these shoppers have more time, money, loyalty, and compelling motivation to become high-paying clients for years and years for the businesses who want them and know how to communicate with them. Well, of course, you'd want to know who these people are and to learn as much about them as you could so you could grow your businesses, right? I'm talking, quote-unquote, about older people, those 50 and better. This large, lucrative demographic still flies under the radar of most health and well-being marketers and know that old I've fallen and I can't get up model just doesn't hold up anymore. Marketers spend just a small percentage of their budgets pursuing people who have aged out of their beloved 18 to 49 target to their own peril. The marketers peril. And that's a short setup of why I started the Optimal Aging Podcast. I want to talk about this powerful demographic, what they want, what the coming business opportunities are for you, and how to communicate with them. We'll be discussing topics like fitness and exercise, diet and nutrition, travel, sexuality, and more, all under a broad heading of well-being. This represents not just vast potential revenues for new and established businesses, from solopreneurs to large corporations, but also unimaginable advances in healthy living, medicine, and more. And here's my favorite part, countless fascinating stories. My business is telling stories. I was a newspaper reporter and editor for 20 years, then served time in corporate communications and marketing And now I'm a communications consultant and freelance content creator. So we'll be spending time on communications and content, but also on innovation, technology, and what's coming next to help businesses like yours make the most of these opportunities. Each episode of the Optimal Aging Podcast will feature an interview with a leader in the fitness and well-being field focusing on people over 50. Today's guest is someone very special in all of this, and someone very special to me personally. It's Dr. Dan Ritchie, the president and co-founder of the Functional Aging Institute. 
I recently told Dan that he's on the hook for a podcast interview because he's kind of the one who got me into this to begin with. See, a few years ago, I was looking for a way to start serving the fitness industry. I looked around, but just hadn't found the right opportunity yet, sensing that it would have something to do with staying fit later in life, since I had turned 50 a couple years before myself. But beyond that, I wasn't sure. Then I discovered the Functional Aging Institute, met Dan and his co-founder, Dr. Cody Seip, and well, here we are. Dan and Cody both have PhDs in kinesiology, and they formed the Functional Aging Institute in 2013 after they saw a tidal wave of potential in the fitness market. The baby boomers were aging, and no one was ready to train them or to build businesses and systems around them. The Functional Aging Institute now has thousands of members, and it's in countries around the world helping fitness pros to help quote-unquote mature adults train safely, develop functional fitness, and enjoy life on their own terms for as long as possible. Dan also owns Miracles Fitness Studio in West Lafayette, Indiana, and swears undying allegiance to the mighty Chicago Cubs. Here's our interview. All right, I'm here with Dr. Dan Ritchie president and co-founder of the Functional Aging Institute, and someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for a couple of years now, and who is largely responsible for me being here. He got me, he was a a key person in my journey to get into the fitness business as a communicator, and can't thank him enough. So, Dan, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I I love doing these things. They're always fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do too. See where this goes. I can talk about this stuff all day. So, yeah, me um, too. Me too. I want to. I want to lift from a podcast I admire. Scott Feinberg of the Hollywood Reporter asks all of his guests, even super famous ones, the same introductory question, and I really like it. I think it's going to be effective. So I want to see how it goes here. So I want to start out by asking you where you were born and raised, and what your folks did for a living. Yeah, so I was born in Berwyn, Illinois, which if you don't know where that's at, it's about 10 minutes from downtown Chicago. My parents actually lived in Chicago, so I'm not even sure why I was born in Berwyn. And uh, I, I started out in Chicago for a few years, but eventually my parents built a house out in the suburbs. So I grew up a uh, Chicago suburb, Chicago Cubs fan. My dad was a commodities trader at the downtown Chicago Board of Trade. He traded soybeans and soybean oil, and he was one of those guys that yelled and screamed in the trading pits, you know. And so he did that as I was growing up, and uh, my mom was primarily uh, a stay-at-home mom. I've got four younger siblings, so pretty big family, and that's kind of my background. So uh, go Cubs. (laughs) Yeah, go Cubs, absolutely. Strange baseball season we're having. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you get into this? I know that's a lot of years between growing up and, and, and starting your gym, Miracles Fitness in West Lafayette, and, and the Functional Aging Institute with Dr. Cody Seip. But give us a, a you know, brief history of how you got through college and your master's degree and then your PhD at Purdue sure, sure. To, to get where you are now. Well, the, you know, the long story is I was a high school athlete and and hoped to play college football. I, I hurt my knee 
between high school and college and, and never wound up playing high school football. But my, my interest was in, is, was in sports and athletics, and I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Realized pretty quickly in college I didn't want to be an athletic trainer, so then I thought, well, maybe I want to be a strength coach because I really liked the, the fitness and the training side of athletics a lot. I'd enjoyed that myself, and, and even the rehab side of it. I, I enjoyed because I had dealt with a couple injuries and I finished my undergrad in fitness and sports medicine and realized I'm not sure what I want to do with my life. So I worked at a hospital sort of as a wellness fitness trainer and realized I probably don't want to be in a hospital setting. And, and I got the opportunity to be a strength coach back at my alma mater at Southeast Missouri state. Took me about one year to realize I don't want to be a strength coach. And I realized the reality of strength coaching and even athletic training is, is you're very much at the whims of coaches, right? And so the head strength coach at Southeast Missouri State had been the head strength coach at the University of Florida. And you're like, how did your career go backwards? Well, the head strength coach at Florida got to go with the Florida football coach, Mike Shanahan, to the Denver Broncos, right? And the assistants that got left behind, one of them became the head strength coach at Florida. Well, when the new coach came in, Steve Spurrier, I believe it was, all of a sudden, all the strength coaches found themselves on the street, you know. And so I realized, I don't know if I want to tie my career to the success of a football coach. That doesn't sound like a great strategy. Plus, the hours were terrible, and the number of athletes was overwhelming, right? I mean, we had hundreds of athletes for the two of us. So, so I decided – and they were letting me work on my master's degree for free as part of the, the, the deal as being an assistant strength coach. So I said, I'm going to go finish my master's degree somewhere else. I moved to Wisconsin, completed a master's degree there, and fell in love with training older adults. Started working at a large big box gym, and I, I just kept getting clients in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s coming to me. And I'm this 23-year-old former strength coach. You know, I'm like, why am I training these people in their 60s and 70s, you know? And I just fell in love with it. And I decided this is really what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so I decided to get a PhD to become an expert in how you train balance. In fact, my goal was to write the book Fall Proof, uh, but Deborah Rose beat me to it. Uh, she released it while I was in my PhD at Purdue. And I said, this is the book we've all needed, right? How we train balance and agility for people as they age. And that was my focus at Purdue and, and led to my personal training studio led to the Functional Aging Institute. Um, and of course, of course, Cody and I met at Purdue University in 2002. And as they say, the rest is history. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, before we proceed, I want to ask you, you said, I think twice, you said, I fell in love with training older adults. Tell me more about that. Like, was there one moment or was there something was it more an accumulative thing where you realized that there was something compelling here? Tell me more about that idea of, of that particular demographic. Yeah, I think the, the moment that I still remember that still moves me is, is training Don. In, this is in Wisconsin, probably around 2000. Don was 72. He, he came to me with a fitness goal to tie his own shoes. And I was like, this isn't really a typical fitness goal. I, I certainly have no knowledge. And we, we dug in a little bit. And he's like, well, I'm like an eight handicap golfer. I'm, I'm retired. I work on the golf course so I can golf five days a week for free, right? And he's like, I mow at the golf course so I have something to do. But I really just want to spend my days on the golf course, right? I said, an eight handicap. That's, he's like, 
I'm a pretty good golfer, but I can't tee up a golf ball. I'm like, what? He's like, I cannot reach my own toes anymore because I've had four knee replacements. And so I had to double check. He only had two knees, Jay. So, you know, he had one knee replaced three times. It was not good. Just didn't go well. One of them got infected, had to be redone. So he wanted more range of motion, right? He's like, I can't reach my own feet. He's like, I'll make a 20-foot birdie putt, and then I have to walk up to it like an old man and use a suction cup thing to get it out of the hole because I can't bend over to pick up a golf ball. You know, he's like, I'm 72. I'm not 92, you know. Four weeks later – this, this, this did not take long. Four weeks later, Don comes in. He's like, hey, Dan, check out my new shoes. Still to this day, Jay, it's the weirdest thing a 70-year-old guy has ever said to me. Like, that, I mean, it's just not something 70-year-old guys don't walk up to me and be like, hey, check out my shoes. This is just weird. I, and I didn't think much about it. I looked down and I realized, oh, he's got brand new tennis shoes on, sneakers with laces, and he tied them, right? By the time I look back up, you know, this just took a few seconds for me to realize, oh, it's not about the shoes. It's that he actually has tie shoes and he's tied them, right? By the time I look back up, there's like tears in his eyes. Now there's tears in my eyes and I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life, right? I mean, that just really sunk it into me that no one was helping him, right? He didn't get the physical therapy he needed. He wasn't getting the fitness he needed. He was he was fit. He just didn't have the range of motion anymore to do some yeah. of the basic things we take for granted, you know? Wow. And um, so that to me was just like, okay, this is what I've got to do. Cause I mean, it only took me four weeks to get into that. And he was like, you've changed my life. You know, he's like, this is phenomenal. You know? So that's, that's a great story. And I, I want to come back to that a little bit later because it really illustrates, I believe the, the personal and economic potential of, of working with this market in fitness and in other industries as well. And from that, you gained a, a career and, and a, you started your own business miracles there in, in West Lafayette. You know, that's, that's really powerful. Tell me what, what's been your biggest personal challenge throughout all of this, you know, establishing your business, getting FAI up and running, managing family. You have a big family and I know that's the most important thing to you. So What's been your biggest personal challenge, Dan? Hmm, that's a tough one. You know, one of the biggest challenges probably has just been the lack of understanding of our industry. So the fitness industry, I would say, for a long time has been uh, somewhat broken. In fact, I had a PhD. Why would someone with a PhD open a fitness business? It's hmm. sort of backwards, right? Like, you can open a fitness business with no degree. You don't even have to have a high school diploma. And so why would someone with academic skills and knowledge, uh, essentially an expert in fitness and aging, go open a fitness studio where there are no academic credentials and the respect is a challenge, right? I mean, no one puts personal trainer on the top of their profession list. I mean, they so just don't, right? And, yeah. and I'm, I'm stating something that unfortunately has been true for too long, um, Part of that, I think, is because the fitness industry has never wanted to regulate itself, has never wanted to have a licensure or certification requirement or anything, right? So it's sort of the wild, wild west. Anything goes. People say all the time, well, what do I have to do to be a personal trainer? I'm like, just put it on a business card under your name, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody's, really, that's it? I'm like, yes, yeah, sadly. So you can have a PhD and even the consumer doesn't know. 
right? The average consumer is like, well, why should I work with you over the other trainer? He's half the price. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. He's half the price. You know, I mean, good luck, you know? So that has probably been one of the biggest challenges um, and continues to be, I mean, even 13 years later now, people in my own market have no idea what I do and that I talk to trainers all around the world. And then they walk into our facility and they're like, well, why should we train with you guys? You know, why, why shouldn't I just go to the gym down the street? You know, it's like, well, um, and then you have to very nicely try to explain to them how you're different and what you're doing. And they don't care that you have 5,000 trainers certified in 21 countries around the world, you know? Um, so it's, it's sort of an odd, a very odd, odd industry. Um, and I've even had people along the way say, well, but you can't make any exercise recommendations. You're not a, you're not a medical doctor. Um, and to which I have to say, why do you think a medical doctor can make exercise recommendations? You know, so, so it's a, sadly, a, a sort of a, been a broken industry for a long time. There's an inherent lack of respect of someone who's a fitness professional. We think of stereotypes. I think we're starting to see that change as we have more and more expert fitness professionals, but I think there's still just the stereotypes of, you know, yeah. Jane, Jane Fonda and, you know, people running around half naked and you right. know, just, just the constant, the constant fitness meathead stereotype that we see, which unfortunately the internet doesn't help with and infomercials don't help with, you know, so, <laughs> so we're, we're fighting against that mentality far too often. Yeah. And, and, and uh, not only is it, is it limited in that way, but it's also so focused on youth. Yes. And, and, yes. You, and vanity and vanity yep. and sec being sexy in, in a certain, there's lots of ways to be sexy, but the way that they sell it is you're 25 and you're, you have 10% body fat and rippling abs, or you're a young woman who could fit into a size two booty dress or whatever. Uh, and nothing's wrong with any of that, you know, but, but there's so much more to it, you know, and, and I guess I'm curious how you went, you know, this is this process that you went through the time between opening miracles 13 years ago, and then you and Cody starting the Functional Aging Institute, I believe, in 2013. So, well, I mean, are these things that we're talking about, did that, did all, did they go into your effort to create the Functional Aging Institute and realizing that there's this great need out there for some more credibility, particularly with, with the older market? Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, when we opened Miracles Fitness in 2007, um, it was a health club for older adults. And in 2007, if you think back 13 years ago, um, the youngest baby boomers were only 42, right? And they certainly oh, weren't thinking about yeah. a, a health club for older adults. So we were a little ahead of our time. The oldest baby boomers were not even 65 yet, right? The, the boomers were just turning 60. And we were saying, hey, there's going to be this huge wave of baby boomers coming. And of course, there's seniors. Um, but when we started out, our end goal was thinking, we also want to teach trainers and we want to teach the fitness industry that there's a huge market coming. I mean, in 2007, we were looking at the numbers saying, my goodness, in 10 years, there's going to be 80 million people over the age of 50, just in the baby boom generation alone. Right. And so that was kind of our end goal focus, but we said, you know, we got to stop talking about it and I guess we got to do it. So we opened a, we opened a place and uh, opened it in 2007. And in 2010, 
we switched to being a personal training studio only. We dropped the health club part uh, simply because what we found was health club members don't get results. And we were like, we're in the business of getting people life-changing results. So we switched to, in the height of the recession, we tripled our prices and switched to a personal training studio only. What we had seen in 2007, 2008, 2009 confirmed what we already believed. People that work with a trainer at least once a week get dramatically different results than people that are just trying to do it on their own. Uh, and so overwhelmingly, 20% of our clients were getting 80% of the results. And the 80% of our clientele who are health club members only were dissatisfied with their results. They, they weren't retaining. We were having uh, poor retention in those areas, whereas the 20% who were training with us, retention was through the roof, right? We couldn't, couldn't get those clients to leave because they were getting great results. So in uh, 2010, we just pulled the plug on the health club. We went from a um, health club option with training to a training only option with free health club membership. Uh, our revenues grew almost 10,000 a month within a month by, by making that switch. It was a, a huge improvement for us and we've never looked back and have focused on telling people, you know, you really have to focus on the training aspect for these clients. Um, whether you offer health club membership or not is totally uh, a side note. What, what got you and Cody to, what was the moment, if there was a moment to pull the, pull the trigger and really make the Functional Aging Institute happen? Yeah, I don't know that there's any particular trigger. We filmed a DVD in 2007. Mm -hmm. So we opened Miracles. About six months later, we filmed a DVD with some of our training principles and fitness assessments and, and our core concepts. And, you know, this is 2007. Fitness trainers were still buying DVDs. I chuckle now, like, what's a DVD, right? Um, but what we realized was we were way ahead, just way ahead of the market. Nobody was really ready for this concept. So... It was too early in 2007. There weren't enough baby boomers that had turned 60 yet. There weren't enough that had turned 65. So we did some speaking at conferences and did some talking out there. We spoke at a couple of big events and people were like, we think you might have something here, right? A couple of different people were like, we'd like to come see what you're doing. And, and we started getting sort of some one-off consulting and some people interested. And we actually tried to launch um, an FAI mastermind coaching program in, in 2011. I believe it was either 2011 or 2012. Um, and it just failed miserably. There just weren't enough fitness owners focused on this market yet. Uh, but a mentor of mine said, you know, you're probably five years ahead of the, the curve here. Uh, you're so far out in front of, of this. You need to launch a company to certify trainers, you know, and, and basically through a couple of different entities, they're like, look, you guys, you guys can't keep railing on the fitness industry um, you need to join it. You need to become part of it. <laughs> so it was like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, and we weren't railing on the industry so much as we were just saying, look, there's not a personal training certification out there that teaches people how to train older adults. So I don't care how certified your trainer is, or if you got a great cert from NASM or ACE or ACSM, they're not going to prepare you for this massive clientele that's coming. And oh, by the way, the fitness industry is losing those clients because the fitness industry is geared towards youth and vanity and no wonder why people in their sixties leave because they're like, there's just not a place for me here anymore. So we started out saying, we're going to certify, educate trainers. We're going to launch with the functional aging specialist. We released that in January of 2014. 
we're going to teach trainers all the principles we've been using here at Miracles Fitness for the last seven years, right? We're going to take all the research we did on our PhDs, and basically what we tell people is we're going to give you all the evidence, all the research, all the knowledge, and we're also going to combine that with the years of experience we've had with over 2,000 clients um, to give you a formula to train these people really well, confidently, and safely. Uh, and that really led to the Functional Asian Institute uh, being born in 2014 with the end goal in mind of not only do we want to educate, certify, and empower trainers, but we also want to then help people develop businesses, help studios, help health clubs. We realize there are so many fitness businesses that are struggling because their facilities are not maximized between nine and five. Why are they not training retirees and seniors and all these people that will come in between nine and two? Their place should be packed, not empty. And it's a broken business model for the vast majority of personal trainers because they have to train from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., then they have to like do their life between nine and four. And then they have to come back and train from four to eight. Well, no wonder the average career of a personal trainer is about three and a half years. It's about as long as an NFL player, but they don't make millions, right? No. They barely make anything. They can't have a life. And at some point they say, I have to grow up and go do something else. Right. And so we see way too many trainers leave the industry because we have a broken career opportunity. It's just not a great career opportunity. Why not train clients? from six to noon and call it a day, right? Yeah. My, my trainers work from six to two. They're full time. Yeah. Some of them work eight to four. I mean, they have great schedules, um, reasonable hours. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I think, well, you know, the, the thing that I keep coming back to is a couple of things. I want to just applaud you that you really were ahead of the curve. Um, and I'm still shocked today by how, how relatively few people see this opportunity. I think we still, as a culture, hear the word older or mature or whatever word we're going to use for it and, and think about our grandparents, you know, who, who were raised in the, you know, who were, who were adults in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And by the time we remember them, they were frail and old and, and died yeah. relatively young compared to how we are now. Right. And really, you know, I'm 56 years old and I'm not, I don't feel like an old man. I've been, I feel my age but I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Everyone I know is like that. Even my mother, who's 84 years old, still wants to get out there and garden and pull up weeds and carry fertilizer and, and get up and down the stairs, you know? So it's, yeah. it's just such a huge opportunity. I want to talk a little bit about those numbers in this demographic, but before we get there, I want to just reiterate what Functional Aging Institute does in that you you provide coaching on how to coaching and certification on how to train older people. You also provide business coaching on how to improve the business aspect of your gym. You offer several certifications. You help them market their gyms and their services so that the people in their community recognize these trainers and these gyms and studios as wanting the over 50, over 60 market uh, and, and offering this specialization, right? Have I missed anything? Because what you do is so important and I don't think anybody else is doing it. I really want people to, to hear this and understand what you do. So if I've missed anything, let me know. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, our, I would say our foundational goal, Jay, from the very beginning has been to educate, certify, and empower 10,000 trainers. Right. Um, 
which really isn't that big a number when you look at some of the other fitness organizations that have already certified 20,000, 30,000, 60,000 trainers. So we just said, if we can certify and educate 10,000 trainers, and then we want to give them tools to market, sell, you know, actually have clientele because it doesn't do me any good to certify Jay Croft if he doesn't know how to get a client. So we're like, right. we're going to give people some tools. Um, I mean, we have a free book, how to get 50 plus boomer fitness clients fast, right? It's a free book. Um, so our goal with 10,000 trainers is we know the average trainer will impact about a thousand lives in their career. Uh, now that's if they have a 10 year career. So we got to make sure they don't flame out in three or four years. So then you start to go, well, wait a minute, 10,000 trainers times a thousand clients, that's 10 million lives that we can impact. That's pretty dramatic. Um, we're actually starting to think a little bit bigger as we're spreading into multiple countries around the world. Um, and you're right. Aging is different and it's changing. And it's changing fast. Right. Um, Let's be honest, this is sort of funny. Jay, I know you're in your 50s, but I hate to tell you this, 50 used to be old. I know, that's what I right? mean. That's 50 what used to be about. old, right? Yeah. And now, now we're like, 50's not old? What are we talking about? That's crazy. When I was a kid, my grandparents were always old to me, right? Yes, and they, they were in their 50s and they always were old. They acted old. I mm -hmm. never saw them, you know, do high activity type things, you know? Mm -mm. Now my dad's 72 and we can't get him to stop doing crazy stuff, right? You know, I mean, so aging has completely changed. Our view of it has changed yes. for, for many people. Uh, I think the baby boom generation has said, I'm not going to get old the way my parents did. That's right. the last thing I'm going to do. And so there's been a shift. And I think Mark Middleton says it best, right? Aging is not to be ill or sick or weak. Aging is an opportunity to be seized, right? And so- yeah. Yeah, Along that's with that, there's a huge opportunity in the fitness realm, right? Because yes. people in their 60s want to live and live well for 20 to 30 more years. Yeah, that's, that's what led me to meet you. That's what led me to start my marketing business. for. Because somebody told you you were old because you're in your 50s? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, Indirectly, they did. I, I, it was five, about five years ago. I was in my early 50s and I was at the gym. And uh, I've been going to the same gym for many years and here in Atlanta. And um, uh, nothing specific happened, but I just I saw some fitness publications, some freebies that were out and about. And you know, I looked around and saw people around me. And uh, it occurred to me that I, am, I have aged out of the primary demographic for fitness yeah. after 50. You know, it's really um, targeted at people in their 20s and 30s, maybe their 40s. Yeah. And, that, and that there really wasn't anything between, say, 45 and the nursing home. Right. You know, right. It was like, I was like, well, wait, what about me? You know, I, right. I'm, right. I'm noticing a few more aches and pains and I don't have the endurance that I used to have. But I've been athletic all my life. I'm going to continue to be. Yeah. Everyone not, I know. You're not all quite my... on the sign up for a nursing yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Isn't there something totally. in between? Totally. Totally. I'm a baby boomer. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm a member of the biggest economic force this planet has ever seen. And yeah. nobody in the fitness industry wants my money anymore. Yeah. Now that I'm old enough to actually have money. Right. So when you're exactly. 25, you don't have any money. Right. When you're 55, yeah. you probably do. Exactly. So, yeah. Cody and I have said for a long time, it's, it's always been funny to us when people at fitness conferences and across the fitness industry are like, oh, you guys are those senior fitness niche yeah. guys. That's so cute that you're in that, that you work with seniors, you know, 
And we always chuckle. We're like, yeah, it's really cute. It's where 80% of the money is. Yep. And the rest of you are all fighting over this 20% of the pie, mostly going after millennials now, some yeah. Gen Xers. But I'm like, why do you all pile up to fight over 20% of the money? When over here, 80% of the money is up for grabs, right? Yep. Nobody's going after it. Nobody's marketing to them. Nobody's offering solutions. Nobody's building facilities for them. I'm like, it's crazy, you know? Yeah, it, you, it's you hit it. You hit it. It's the most powerful economic generation ever. And then you look at baby boomer women yeah. and you're like, Oh my goodness, they are spending money in massive quantities and they're spending money much different than their mothers did. They have yeah. way more financial and economic freedom than women of the generation before. Uh, and they want to, stay young and healthy and vibrant and fit. And they don't want to be forced into some sort of 29 year old fitness program. Right. So yeah, yeah, huge, huge market for sure. Dan, I know you've got some, some statistics ready to, to, that you share frequently about the size of this market and, uh, and their economic power yeah. You throw out a few just so anybody out there who still doubts what the heck we're talking about can understand it. Sure. Well, in the United States, we now have 100 million people over the age of 55. So if we just do the simple math, one out of three people are over the age of 55. And that's going to grow by about 35% in the next 20 years. So it's a huge growth market. And then you look at the 18 to 49 year old demographic, right? That core demographic we hear on TV and radio advertising and where you want to be. And that market's only going to grow about 10 to 12%. So it's pretty stagnant. There's not going to be a lot of growth there. And then you look at the money and the wealth and you realize the 55 plus market has 80% of the wealth mm -hmm. and 80% of the spending power. And then you look at the economy and you realize the longevity economy People over the age of 50 are spending over $3 trillion a year spending, discretionary spending power. In fact, I, I would argue that people over 50 really drive uh, the economy in, in, in big ways, right? I mean, huge, huge ways. $3 trillion, you look at that, you're like, almost the entire national economy of the United Kingdom is just discretionary consuming spending by the 50 plus. Not healthcare, not other programs just discretionary spending power. Mm -hmm. They have money to spend. They're buying boats and cars and trips and vacations and fitness programs and all sorts of stuff. So huge amounts of spending power. And oh yes, they buy stuff on the internet too. They absolutely do. So mm -hmm. don't think they're not online. You can do online fitness for them as well. So it's a massive, massive economic power when we mm -hmm. get up. Some of it's just natural. I mean, you hit on it, Jay. Like, I mean, when you're in your twenties, you're broke. Yeah. Well, you're broke for a lot of good reasons, right? I mean, you're trying to buy your first car, you're trying to buy your first place, you're 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 getting established, you you're you're paying off college debts. I mean, you're you're digging out of holes and creating new ones. I mean, by the mm -hmm. time you're 30, uh, you're still broke, right? Yeah. Um, and then if kids come along, forget it. You're broke yeah. for the next 20 years, you know. So now you're saving for college for for those folks, and it's not until you're 50s when you start to feel a little more financial freedom and you have a little more ability to spend money on things that you really value. And so it is a natural progression, right? I mean, people in their 50s and 60s are more likely to have their house paid for. They're more likely to not have a mortgage. And so you start to look at it, you're like, wait a minute, baby boomers 
Baby boomers household spending, 50% of it is just literally on consuming. It's on discretionary spending. Well, yeah, they don't have college to save for anymore. They don't have a mortgage to pay. Like a lot of the big expenses that we deal with when we're younger are gone, you know? So, um, so just the natural evolution of aging and maturity happens. And of course you get into your sixties and seventies and all of a sudden you realize pretty much how much money I have in my retirement portfolio is how much I have. Right. Yeah. And so then you start to look at, well, how well do I really want to live? And so spending a couple hundred dollars a month on fitness is a good investment because yeah. if you have saved, you have a healthy retirement. The last thing you want to do is not be healthy and well to enjoy it. That's right. Like your friend, Don, the person, yeah. you mentioned that your client, Don, that, that exactly. ignited your passion for this. He was a vibrant, active person. He yep. didn't think he was an old man. He wasn't ready to give up. He just right. had a limitation due to mobility exactly. issues. And he, he was not, uh, you know, he was a, he would be 92 today, I think. So he's not a baby boomer. Yeah. He wasn't wealthy, but he was affluent enough and realized, hey, if I work at the golf course, I don't have anything to do anyway. If I work at the golf course, I can yeah. golf as much as I want yeah. for free. That's what I want to do. He had a health club membership. He didn't hesitate to pay for training with me at all because he realized I have to fix this problem I have, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was willing to lay down hundreds of dollars for personal training to fix his problem because he wanted to be a better golfer. He wanted to be more functional, wanted to be able to tie his own shoes for crying out loud, right? right so right. he's a great example of someone who got to a certain age at 72. He was like, I don't even think he asked what it cost. He was just like, I need to train with you if you can solve my knee issue, right? Yeah. You know, so. And you, you and I have countless stories of people with similarly really powerful stories about how trainers have been able to help them live yeah. the life they want to live. That's probably a whole other podcast episode. It probably is. It's going to be a book one day. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to have to write a book about it because, you know, just, just quickly give us the one that you told, I've heard you tell about the, the woman who wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands, she dreamed of it all her life. Yeah, 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 sure, Joanne. To do it. Yeah. yeah, Joanne. Yeah, I love that story. Joanne is, Joanne's the sort of client the fitness industry turned their back on decades ago. Yep. I mean, let's be honest. She came to us at 80 years old. She was unfit and unhealthy. She had Parkinson's, could barely walk a block. Um, there's no health club anywhere that really had much of a solution for her. In fact, I don't think she'd been in a health club ever, probably because she aged out decades ago, right? She wouldn't have been comfortable walking into a health club even in her 60s. She came to us. She did not have any interest in getting fit, Jay. She wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands before she couldn't. And I think she already realized that that day had already come. I can't mm -hmm. go to the Galapagos Islands and enjoy it. In fact, I'm going to be a burden to my husband, Don, who's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. I said, well, what do you have to do to go to the Galapagos Islands. She said, well, I have to, they tell me I have to be able to walk a mile on uneven terrain. It's not overly rugged, but it's not paved. I can't use a walker. I have to be able to, to walk on trails and about a mile. And I said, how far can you walk? She said, I can barely walk a block now. I said, okay, so we got to improve that. I said, what else do you have to be able to do? She said, well, I have to be able to climb off the, the main ship into a rubberized Zodiac inflatable boat, you know, those raft type yeah. boats with an outboard. And, and then when it beaches, she said, I have to be able to climb out over it onto the beach. I said, okay, so you got to be able to climb over something that's about two feet tall, right? And, and climb in and out of something. So didn't sound to me overwhelming, right? I mean, walk a mile. It's not exactly yeah. like a fitness hero level, right? Right. 
Um, I said, well, what are you willing to do, Joanne? Are you willing to train with us six to eight months to, to build this up so you can do this? She said, I'm willing to do whatever it takes if you think it's possible. Uh, and I said, I absolutely think it's possible. I think you can totally do this. And uh, she trained with us for about seven months, went on the trip. Yeah. It was a trip of a lifetime. Absolutely loved it. Brought back amazing pictures of the blue-footed birds and, you know, all kinds of cool things that she got to see. And she just had a great time, right? She was not limited, didn't limit her husband. Here's the cool end of that story, Jay. We could not get rid of her as a client, right? <laughs> like she trained with us till she was 87 years old. We had her as a client for seven years and all she wanted to do is go to the Galapagos Islands, right? And so yeah. she continued to take more trips and do more fun things. And of course we enhanced her life. Um, and we had her as a client for seven years. So that's the other cool thing is a lot of these clients you will have for a long time, right? Yeah. They're not just going to train with you for six months, lose the weight and then take off. They're going to keep training with you because Joanne realized there's no choice. I can't go back to who I was before, barely able to walk a block. I want to keep being able to do things and I don't want to be a burden to my spouse. Yeah. Dan, I, I want to start wrapping things up. You know, I can talk about this all day and, and I know I you could can too. too. I could too. Yeah. But, but um, I want, you know, you, you were ahead of the curve. You were a bit of a visionary on all of this. And so I want you to, to look into the crystal ball and tell me what you see in the, in the future. And that can be short term regarding COVID or it can be long term for the next five or 10 years. But how can businesses uh, prepare to make the most of this powerful opportunity? Yeah. Well, I could probably talk an hour on that because I have a whole, pres whole presentation on the next five big things. But I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a couple of them. Yeah, give so, me a couple of those five. So two, two of them are going to be interesting phenomenons we're going to see in about five years. So mm -hmm. in about five years, baby boomers are going to start turning 80. And they're going to do that in huge numbers, like nothing we've ever seen. And, and 80 is an interesting marker. People hit 80, we start to see an increase in frailty. We start to see an increase in muscle loss. We start to see those functional decline impacts, right? I mean, a lot of people sail through their 70s just fine. It's like, man, they're still doing all kinds of stuff, right? And 80, for whatever reason, people get into their 80s and they start to functionally decline. And when we think about millions of people turning 80 year after year, in about five, six years, that's going to start. That's going to really tip a big wave, you know, assisted living facilities and nursing homes, retirement communities, caregiving, uh, as we see the baby boom generation hit that. At the same time, about five years from now, uh, us Gen Xers are going to start turning 60. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2025, Gen Xers start turning 60. So guess what? There's a whole new generation that's going to start getting older and they're going to mature as much as they hate to admit it. They're going to mature <laughs> just like the baby boomers did to get to a certain yep. age. Right. And so we're going to see that aging phenomenon continue. And so that's a huge thing. And I think personally, the huge opportunity that COVID has shown us is twofold. One is people need fitness more than ever. Right. And uh, I think we continue to see this, I hate that people are distorting the, the facts, but the reality is the people who are most impacted by COVID in almost every case are the least fit, right? And so mm -hmm. they have comorbidities like heart disease, diabetes, obesity, all these other things. In most cases, they're the least fit among us. And so fitness is really, really important. 
Doesn't mean you have to join a gym, doesn't mean you have to even hire a personal trainer, but you need to be doing something. And so I think the opportunities for, for fitness books, online education, online fitness coaches, personal trainers, studios is going to explode in the 60 plus population because people are going to say, well, I sure was not prepared for COVID-19. I'm going to be prepared for whatever the next thing is. I need to be fitter. I need to be in the top 50%, not the bottom 50%. So I think the opportunity there is going to be bigger than ever. And I think part of what we're going to see in 2021 and even 2022 is the impacts of people not exercising, not going to the gym, not participating, isolating, quarantining, all of these things are going to have impacts on people's fitness, mental health. And we're going to realize like people need to be uh, with other people, but they need to be exercising too. And so I think there, there's going to be a huge opportunity. We're going to see an increase in um, frailty. We're going to see an increase in falls. We're going to see an increase in all of these aging related things in the next couple of years because of what COVID has done to us. All of those things then are opportunities for us in the fitness world, whether it's in studio, in community centers, in retirement communities, or virtually online is a great option as well. There's going to be even more opportunity. Um, COVID is not going to take it away. In fact, I think it's going to highlight and expose it and it's going to show more people in their 60s and 70s, I have to take personal responsibility for my health. Uh, I've got to be better. I've got to do more. I've got to take care of things. I need to be in the top half of fitness, not the bottom, um, which I think COVID has really shown. If, you, if you're not healthy, if you're not fit, um, you're far more at risk, far more susceptible to it. Dan, that's a really powerful message and a great place for us to, to wrap up this conversation. I'm going to re, be revisiting that, you know, throughout from a lot of different angles as I talk to other people and, and maybe we can talk again and, and get into that because, uh, you know, that is, COVID has made that point crystal clear, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd be yeah. happy to, I think a whole nother episode would be the yeah. online fitness opportunity of the future which I think is going to be huge. Uh, yeah. It absolutely is. And I think COVID has accelerated that and shown us that, right? Yeah. yeah. People still long for fitness programming. They long to be with a trainer, even if they have to do it virtually. Um, so there's lots of opportunity there. Dan, thank you so much. You're, you really are a visionary and you're doing, you're doing such important work. And I want to thank you for all you've done for me and tell us uh, how to reach you, how to see you, how to, find you all that good stuff. I'll put it in the show notes, but go ahead and say it. Yeah, sure. Uh, functionalagentinstitute.com is the uh, easiest way to find us and all our programs. Our, our weekly webinars are free. Contact at functionalagentinstitute.com is our email. So if you need to reach out with a specific question or if you're like, hey, how can I get a copy of that free book? Email us there. That'd be great. We'd love for you to check it out and join the fam. Beautiful. All right, Dan. Dan Ritchie, Functional Aging Institute. Thanks again. Now we come to a quick segment before we wrap up this first episode of the Optimal Aging Podcast. I think it'll be fun to conclude each week by calling out three things I like. Products, services, people, ideas, whatever. Shoot me a message with something that's caught your eye lately too and, and maybe I'll talk about it. So first, September is World Alzheimer's Month the ninth annual international campaign to raise awareness and challenge the stigma that surrounds dementia. 
there are currently an estimated 46 million people worldwide living with dementia. And the number of people affected is set to rise to more than 131 million by the year 2050. A new case of dementia is diagnosed every three seconds. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to do to raise awareness about Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. And there's a great organization that's sponsoring this awareness campaign. The website, I'll put it in the notes, but here it is as well. It's https colon backslash backslash www.alz.co.uk. Check it out and learn what you can do to raise awareness. The second thing I like this week is keto bread from a company called Kiss My Keto. It's the first keto bread I've tried that's actually good and that tastes like and feels like bread. Mostly. 70 calories a slice, zero net carbs, and it's made with actual real food ingredients. You can read the label. I'm still new to keto and not sure how committed I'll be, but smart products like this definitely make it easier and more fun. You can get it at kissmyketo.com. Finally, number three, Christopher Nolan's new movie Tenet is out. It's the first blockbuster to try to tempt audiences back into theaters after COVID-19. Are you ready to head into a darkened room and sit with hundreds of strangers for a couple of hours? I am not. But I do love reports from a friend who saw Tenet recently at an Alamo Draft House drive-in in Northern Virginia. Alamo has been a leader in preserving the movie-going experience for years, and now they've expanded with state-of-the-art drive-ins. Alas, there's not one near me yet, so I'll have to wait for Tenet to show up on demand. It's okay, I'm more looking forward to the new James Bond anyway. Okay, y'all, that does it for this first episode of the Optimal Aging Podcast. Check out the show notes, send us an email, like us, subscribe, show us some love, please. We all need it so much these days. Join us next week for round two. Can't wait. Stay safe. Be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Optimal Aging Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Croft, and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I hope you'll subscribe, tell a friend, and write a review. All of that helps us grow our audience. I also hope you'll share any comments you have with me in an email or on social media, including suggestions for people I should interview or topics I should cover. You can learn more about me and my content business at primefitcontent.com. You can send me an email at j at primefitcontent.com. That's J-J-A-Y at primefitcontent.com. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So find me anywhere you like and be in touch. And again, thanks for listening. Join us next time.